Hello and welcome to another episode of The Greatest Covenant. I'm one of your hosts, Brendan. And I'm Cassandra. We're a couple married 26 years, having a conversation about our life experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how with God's intervention we were able to persevere. Our goal in sharing with you is to show marriage is fun, God ordained, and to let you know that you are not alone in your marriage struggles. Yes. So how is my bride doing today? I'm doing okay. Good, good. But the better question is, how are you? Yeah. You just are getting over some nastiness. Yeah, so everyone, I'm, uh, I want to apologize in advance. You may a couple of times hear me clear my throat, maybe even a little sniffing. I'm getting over a cold, and you know when you're getting over those colds, you have those little, all that stuff in your chest. I've been blowing my nose like crazy for a couple of days now, getting it out of my chest. So I'm getting over it. I feel so much better. It's just that you can probably tell if you've listened to our episodes a lot that I don't sound like my normal, wonderful angelic self (laughs) okay (laughs) so today today i guess we should get into it uh today we're talking about something that i'm just gonna i think i'm just gonna speak for both of us when i say this we did everything we can to avoid having this conversation for as long as possible Mm -hmm. Uh, because you know when your marriage has a lot of ups and downs when 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 the marriage vow says for better or for worse, that is not a metaphor. That is right. not some cliche saying. That is life, real life, people, real yep. life. And sometimes part of parts of those life or marriage, let's be honest, some of that you hold on. There are a lot of secrets in marriage. Yes. A lot of secrets. Not not so much the individual, but for the couple as well. The couple themselves are holding secrets that they wouldn't want anyone else to know about because they don't want all the shame, the judgment, and all that stuff. But the one thing God revealed to us is if we're going to share our life experiences with you, this is one of our life experiences. Yes. I mean, this. No matter as hard, how hard it is. No matter how hard it is. So this is going to be a two-part episode. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the first episode, and we're just going to talk about the first episode is dealing with addiction. Mm-hmm. Um. So when you think about addiction, there are many there are many labels of addiction, as in the types of addiction, but addiction is addiction. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's any anything that anything that you can't control or anything that you feel you use as uh some type of crutch to for whatever reason you're using this crutch and it's consumed you to, to help, the point to be able to cope with to life. be able to cope to whatever's going on in your life you're mm-hmm. a cope with life period you're right baby it can turn into an addiction mm-hmm. you know something so simple as shopping yeah you know food food yeah some addictions can definitely be life-threatening yes you know but yeah so we're going to talk about addictions today and so the reason why i'm going to be doing most of the talking because i am confessing to all of you that the part of the addiction was on me um now we when most people hear about addiction they associate it with a man having the addiction but women can have this addiction as well mm-hmm. um, this particular type of addiction is sexual addiction it is 
definitely, as I'm even trying to talk to you all, it's hard for me to find the right words because, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to make excuses for it because I'm not, there is no excuse for it. There's no excuse for what I, what I went, what I went through with my addiction. Right. So let's just, I don't, I'm not going to go into any gore details. We'll just say that it was sexual addiction. So when you, when you hear the word sexual addiction, you can pretty much yeah. understand what the problem was. Mm-hmm. And that addiction was, you know, pornography, uh, I did have, I did have affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not the best part of my life. Um, it was not something that, even though I was aware of the problem, it was not something that at that time I had, I was ashamed of. Mm-hmm. I was only ashamed when I, until I got caught. That's the only time I was ashamed. Yeah. Um, because at that time I wasn't, and before getting caught, I wasn't thinking about it at the time. Um, as far as, Excuse me, as far as the shame and the and the judgment, I don't know. I I would have to say it started probably I was in middle school, maybe maybe middle school. You know, as a, as a young man, you're discovering things about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and you're discovering parts of your body that are having these feelings and and things. And I think that you know, I think probably the first time I saw anything pornographic I was probably maybe seventh eighth grade I don't mm-hmm. know um, well and there was a specific in- instance that imprinted on you I think and that word it makes me think of twilight but it imprinted <laughs> on you we need to lighten up the mood um and um I think was sort of the catalyst to put you into this spiral um, with your neighbor. Yes. A long time ago. Yeah. I think that was one. And, and it and let you me, said let, you were like 13. Yeah. And, and let me make something very clear. There was nothing, there was nothing. I was not sexual. It was nothing sexual as far as abuse. Yeah. This was, this was a part of my life where I was discovering mm-hmm. a woman's body and, and um, somehow that particular neighbor I went over to, we, we lived in an apartment complex, and I went over to her complex to get something that my mother asked me to get from her. And when she stood up, she forgot that she did not, she was not fully covered up, and she stood up, and I yeah. saw parts of her body. Um, I don't know if that was a callus, but it was definitely an imprint, like you said, mm-hmm. an imprint. Yeah, I do feel like Twilight. Though, but you're <laughs> right. Um, just call me Jake. Right. <laughs> So that was a, that, that probably was a catalyst. And then there were, you know, I think during the time when I was younger, you know, there was no such thing as the internet where you can see right adult films and things like that. Um, had to go old school. Had to go old school, you know, VHS, magazines, uh, you know. For the the young people out there, those are video cassette players. Just saying. (laughs) Just yes, they were, that out there. they were bricks. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> you got me messed up with that one. That was good. Um, so, you know, and, and I don't even think there were stricter rules on, you know, as far as how you had to be a certain, because I remember, I remember buying a pornographic magazine. One of my friends, we weren't even t- 
we were still in high school. We bought them. Yeah. And the I, guy let us buy it. We walked right out the door with them. Yeah. I don't think then, back then, there was, um, well, at, at that age, when you were young, there weren't strict. Right. Well. Well, you know what? But then I again. there the, were because. I did again where I was. Yeah. Where yeah. I lived. It, it, the, yeah. The area, the place that I lived back in Missouri wasn't uh it could have been just that store yeah honestly. it could have been, been just a store guy trying to make a sale he's like hey two little two little teenage boys want to get their right want to get their entertainment on so to speak yeah <laughs> and i think because i feel like there was always an 18 or over section and like you know when you could go and buy magazines you know back in the day you could buy racks and racks of magazines well you saw the um you know the playboy and Playboys, all of them yeah. but they Playboys, were in a yeah. 18 but they were again, section off sort of sort of but i mean i've been i had been to certain stores as a kid where they were right there next to people magazine they yeah were just they were right well there. yeah yeah they're right there <laughs> but they had a label of 18 or older right but again it could have been just the guy it could have been the guy yeah. making a sale yeah because i don't think because i even feel like you had to when you Okay, minus your situation, I even feel like you had to show an ID. No, I didn't try, but I'm just <laughs> we're we're going to we're going with the assumption that dig when back you, into the recesses right, of my mind, a legitimate business back then would yes. have made you show ID to show that you were at least yes. eighteen. Because I think yeah, eighteen was the yeah. Now I think now it's twenty one, but eighteen. No, it might still be eighteen. Yeah, maybe um, not considering the state. Yes, and like even if you went to the video store, yes, there was Blockbuster, Mister Video, all of those stores. Young people for the young people, that's a place where you go and, rent and you videos. rent videos. It's sort of like Redbox, but yeah. it was a little more expensive. Yes, <laughs> but you they they had like. A and it really wasn't really a lot of blockbuster those kinds of stores because those were family stores. Well, but you know, they did have they would have like a small section or maybe a small section in the back where you had to be eighteen to go 18 back there. to go back there. Yeah, so, I think they sectioned it off. And yeah, it, again, it depends on the state. Yes, you know some store. I don't think Blockbuster ever did that. I don't, maybe uh, yeah, they, I think Blockbuster was more family. Yeah, blockbuster was the other one. Family video, whatever that it was, it was yeah, two of them. Yeah, Hollywood video. There it is Hollywood video. Yeah, but there's, but you know, those little stores and areas that, and maybe they're a little section. They had it because mm-hmm. the state allowed it. Mm-hmm. it was, you know, so they had a little section. It was always one of the little stores. It wasn't always the big chain yeah. stores. Yeah. Um, and as far as my addiction goes, you know, it grew through time. Mm-hmm. Um, even down to you know. The first time that I actually had sex, I was 17. Um, and I think what started out before that as just a teenager being a teenager, a boy being a boy, I think that it grew after that, you know. And then when I met my wife in college, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just to show you how strong the addiction was, you know, it forced. I won't say it. I, 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 I did everything that I could to convince her that it was okay to have sex. Yeah. Um, now she'll she'll give her point of view on that unless you want to share it now uh, as to why you felt, as to why you thought or you felt that we had to have sex or you. Well, I mean, you. I'm, 
of course, a lot of people use this. Well, I loved him. Yeah, you can still love each other and not have sex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is very possible because when I left to go to college, um, I had taken a vow of chastity. I wasn't going to um, have sex before I got married. And um, so it 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 was a struggle because you know I never I had never had a boyfriend I had never had uh dated or anything so you were my first and I so know. it was she okay. hit rock bottom she it was a struggle <laughs> but um needless to say it did happen and you know I think when the the when we get to part two, I can really delve into that part of it okay. and um, really talk about you know what it what happened, how I right. you know. And it took me, you know, and and then all during college, you know, it was that was. It's almost like if we weren't having sex, our relationship wasn't solid, right? To me, right. You know, and that's how much the addiction is, you know, you and it was one of those things where you had to have it all the time. Right. And that's what's and not so much sex it's just any addiction. A person that's yeah. for addiction, they have to have it all the time. They sometimes sometimes it's a, it's a catalyst and sometimes they don't need an excuse. Right. They don't they well, don't need an excuse. And there are studies that are out there that show that like the brain chemistry of somebody who is a, a sex addict is the same chemistry like you know they went through whatever testing they had to go through same chemistry as somebody as a drug addict i believe yeah. and so they're always trying to get that constant high right figure out or, how an, to... or an alcoholic you know yeah so it's it, and that's what it was it was it it wasn't even about something that there were times that something did drive me to doing it. So the, the the type of the type of girls and at the time of college and then women when after I got married that I would I, I'm just gonna say it prey upon mm-hmm. were the were the ones that were probably single, needing attention themselves or too young or 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 not okay, not when I say young, <laughs> I don't mean <laughs> Yeah, fix that real quick. Ooh, so like, what, what's his address? I'm about to call. No, no, no. Somebody that, you know, let's put it this way. They were young, but they were definitely out of high school. Yes. Uh, they were definitely of legal age. Yes. Let me put it that way. So <laughs> I'm not going, ooh, I don't want them to get the bad idea. They, they were younger than me, but they were definitely of legal age when it happened. Okay. So we'll leave it at that. Um, But and those are the kind of, I try to talk to a strong-minded woman or get a get strong-minded woman, that's not who I prayed upon. I mm-hmm. prayed upon those who, you know, I, I'm a very sociable person. I guess at times I'm so sociable that I could actually be charming, so to speak. I don't yeah. know. Um, but those are the kind of people that I ended up being with, mm-hmm. you know. And the times that, there were times that I confessed to mm-hmm. you and, and I brought I brought this into the marriage mm-hmm. let me just go back a little bit I brought this into the marriage and I thought that well I have someone now that I can have sex with whatever I want mm-hmm. you know 
that's in my mind, okay, I love her and I want to take care of her and I want to be a, be the father of the children she's going to give me, but she's she's there to meet my sexual needs whenever in my mind whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I was never violent to to Cassandra when she no. didn't want to have sex because I wasn't that kind of person. I don't if you and I got to be in fights, then we got to be done. <laughs> right. I just know I'm not about to go to jail. Right. I go to jail for certain things, but that ain't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, it, it was just, it was just, it, it had a hold on me. It had a hold on me in the, in the worst way. And it took a long time for me to realize that I had a problem. And as a matter of fact, I didn't realize that someone else had to tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bishop that we knew from a previous church that we were a member of. And it had reached a point that I had one of my, well, the one, I would say rock bottom, but it wasn't the rock bottom that I thought I was at. Right. You know, the rock bottom was that I had one of the affairs that I had was with someone that was very close to my wife. Mm-hmm. And I confessed that to her. And it was around the same time as the bishop was coming to visit. And so the bishop, that bishop and I talked and we had a conversation, you know, he came back. I think I came back a couple of days later, a day or two later and told me, you know, he basically said the words. And I remember the words he said to me. He says, you're not big. You're not a gigolo or just someone that just likes to party and have fun women. You have a problem. You have a problem. And it took me. And what he said, that was the first time I realized that maybe that's what it is. This is not just me being a guy. Mm-hmm. And me not being satisfied by my wife or sexually satisfied, I, it was a problem. And, and, you know, and that was an eye opening experience for me. That was, yeah. it was, it was crazy. I, I can't even put into words how much of an ex- eye opening moment that was for me. And so, you know, I went, tried, I went through the steps of, you know, seeking, seeking counseling and, you even went to meetings. I even went to meetings. You know, unfortunately, life got in the way, so those things have to stop. Uh, life financially and life, just other things happened in our lives where those had to stop. So, it is. It you know, to this day, it is still. A, a, it's still a daily battle. It's still a daily battle. Am I, am I a better person? Absolutely, because I truly have finally allowed God to be the head of this and to talk to me and and I know I have it's it's good just like any other person with an addiction it's going to be a daily struggle with them Mm -hmm. this is something that it is a chemical imbalance and this chemical imbalance just doesn't go away because you say so and and I'm it, it it is it is not I don't I mean I'm losing I feel like I'm losing my words now it it's just hard to put this in, into words the the role and the and the role that that this addiction has played in my life it's it's definitely i can i can honestly say this is definitely a, a life threatening situation i could have got something i could have gave it to my wife mm-hmm. uh, i could have lost my wife i could have lost my children um 
it was only because of the grace of God that I am still married to this woman. It's only because of the grace of God this woman can still look at me and tell me she loves me. Yeah. It's only by the grace of God that she tells me that she trusts me. You know, we went through a long time of just, we didn't know we were going to make it. Yeah. You know, we were very close at one point to just being done. Done. We were very close, like very, very close, you know. So it was, it was, you know, and, and we're sharing this because we want the person, we hopefully the person that's listening to this, the addict, and, and now mine was sexual addiction, but if you're a person that's dealing with an addiction and it's not sexual, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be any, it's, it's put it this way, anything that you use that takes you out of the reality of life. Mm-hmm. To the point that you have to do that particular thing every single day. You don't need an excuse to get the urge to do it. That's an addiction. Mm. We, That's an addiction. You know, uh, not necessarily a life-threatening situation, but anything that takes you out of the will of your marriage and out of the will of God. And that you have to, it's, it's like you, this is what you go to sleep, you go to work, you do your addiction. That's an yeah. addiction. That was me. Yeah. That that was me, and cold heartedly, that was me. It was bad. It was really, really bad. Yeah. But through time, through time, and through prayer, and through the grace and love that God is for me, and the grace and love that my wife has for me, I'm still here, mm-hmm. and here I am sharing this story with you. Yeah. Hoping that I'm making sense of any of it. <laughs> no, I think you are, babe. I think you're coming uh, to class weird coming across very clearly so i'm going to ask you a question my love so, yes. and this is to help this is to help the spouse whether the spouse is the husband or the wife mm-hmm. when god allowed you to pay attention mm-hmm. what were some of the signs that you knew that well, what were some of your what were some of the things that let you know okay he's acting out or this is not my husband this is the addiction well he 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 um actually showed me and gave me the signs when we were dating, because my father, who is, he's, you know, of course he's a pastor, but then he's also trained in marriage and family counseling. He, he told me, I think, uh, I think it was when we were dating, he told me that he thought that you might have had a sexual addiction. Now, me being the young mind that I am, you know, fresh in college or you know a few years into college or whatever you know I first I didn't know what that meant and then second I didn't I just took it with a grain of salt you know it was what it was and so I I sort of knew something was up when we were were dating and you know well the question could be asked well why didn't you you know, why did you keep dating him? I, There was just, I don't know, something there that, I mean, it was what it was, you know. I knew that we were supposed to be together. So I knew that God had something bigger for us. Even when we were dating, I knew that God had something bigger for us. So uh, when we when we got married... I don't want to say I had my head in the sand, but I sort of had my head in the sand. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, I knew something was going on, 
but I just didn't want to believe it. You know what I mean? But the women, the the female intuition, it came in and it came in, you know, strong and clutch, you know. And, the, you know, there were a couple of times that I actually figured it out on my own. And there were just, it, it was just little signs, you know. You know how women can get investigative? I got investigative. Um, especially, and, and investigative. I. Investigative, okay. Well, no, because <laughs> really. That's a good word, investigative. Yeah, because with my friend, mm-hmm. I was the one that actually approached you about it because I was like, I saw seeing the phone bill, you know, and I was like, what's the deal? So that was when you confessed to me. And then, you know, at that point, God made me more aware of our relationship. He mm-hmm. made, he told me, you need to be watchful, not necessarily of anything in particular. He just said I needed to be watchful. Mm-hmm. And so I was watchful. I w- was watched. And then any other time it happened, you know, I still... I still didn't, I didn't really necessarily have my head in the sand, No, but I was very resolved with like, okay, Lord, if this is supposed to be how my life is, then this is how it was going to be until. But um, you do know you didn't have to do that. Oh, I know. I mean. I absolutely knew that. A hundred percent knew that. The Bible makes that perfectly clear. And and that's, that's the thing. (laughs) People, you know, especially sometimes, you know, females can get catty. Girl, I would have left him. He would have been gone. I wouldn't have been, you know. And for me, it just, that wasn't what God wanted for, for me. Because I knew that there was something in our relationship. I knew that there was something about you that God was going to do something powerful in your life. I didn't know what it was, but he, and, and I knew I was going to be a part of that. Um, and, and he was going to bless our relationship. I mean, who would have thought in a million years that we'd be sitting here doing a podcast talking about addiction, you know? And so the last time it happened, we were in our current house and I just got pissed off. Excuse the word, but I got pissed off and I didn't get pissed off at, I I was mad at you. I was say, yeah, you did get pissed off at me. I was mad at you. <laughs> but I also got mad at the enemy because I'm like, you know what? You have come in and you have run all crazy through our relate. I mean, I was hot. I think that was the most mad I had ever gotten. And again, going back to I needed to remain watchful. Well, God gave me that watchful spirit, but then he also gave me a fire because I was like, I was mad at the devil because I'm like, you think you're going to come in here and try to, to, to destroy my relationship, but it ain't happening. And I'm tired of you trying to come in and destroy and separate us. It's not going to happen. And that was when it was time for me to really deal with the issue at hand and to really be awake and understand the seriousness of it because... Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand the seriousness of it. I guess, you know, I guess you could say that maybe I was one of those that didn't think that it was really real. Because there are people that think sexual addiction is not real. But it very much is real. You are lying to yourself if you think that. If you're listening to this and you don't believe that sexual addiction isn't real, shopping addiction is real. Again, I made the point clear earlier. Anything that has taken your spouse or yourself out 
of the reality of life. Yeah, it takes and, control and of And you're your using life. it and you're using that particular thing as a coping mechanism to take you out of that reality of life. That is an addiction. Yes, very much that so. That is an addiction. I don't care what it is. Yes. Binge watching. Yes. <laughs> and so I think, you know, I think that it, once I got angry, no, I, like I said it before, once I got pissed off, I, for me, I started to, my eyes were, were really, really open to the struggle that you were having mm-hmm. and that it wasn't, well, it wasn't just a physical or a mental struggle, but it was also a spiritual struggle. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's call it what it is. Anything that, that we do that's not pleasing to God is sin. Right. So we're just going to call it what it is. But I knew that this was a struggle that you were having. And God really opened my eyes to say, okay, now you see this struggle that your husband is having and you are his wife. Now there's, it, it's, it's taken me a long, long time, long time to really understand that there's nothing that I can do to make you stop or help you through yeah, this. I had to, I had to get you to understand that though. And you thought that, you know, by having more sex or, yeah. or something like that. And, and I had to literally, and I had to literally tell you, honey, we could have sex morning, noon and night. Yes. For to now until the day we die, or or it things just dry up. Yeah. And until I get a grip on this, it will not change the yes. outcome. It will not change anything. That's yeah. just you feeding the addiction at that point. You're enabling me. Right. You know. Right. And so that was. Yeah. It, it, I can't. I had a train of thought. And I lost it. But you know. But I want everyone to understand my addiction. You know, they always try to say that a person that's dealing with sexual addiction is because they had some kind of sexual abuse or mm-hmm. trying to associate it with some sexual abuse as a child. Let me make this very clear. I was not, nor have I ever been sexually abused whatsoever. Yeah. I have a very strong, loving family, and I had, I had a very, I have an even stronger, loving mother who didn't play that right. when it came to her child. Yeah, when she I, would, she would chop somebody off at the knees, at the, at the knees, and keep going. If that happened, yeah. So what I t- so this so I, w- again, what start? I, I can't even explain what was the catalyst. I can't. It was I just a whole bunch of different. things. It was just things. a whole bunch of I different mean, things, you know. How does any addiction start? You know what I mean. You know, it could have been something it, I was trying to get. I was maybe maybe something in my life as a child I was all it takes using is, as a coping mechanism. All it takes is just one. Like, it, what is that one drug that's gonna? You know, it could start innocently with marijuana, but then yep. it could go up. It can go up. It could go up and up. So it just took one thing yep. to sort of open and explode that chemical in your mind and your brain that allowed you to say, Oh, I need to have, and then when the one thing wasn't working anymore, you would amp it up and go to something else. And then when that didn't work anymore, then you would amp it up more. And so seeing this struggle for me, You know, at the time, I didn't know how to help you. Like you said, I would do the the physical things, yep. thinking that that's how I was supposed to help you. But it wasn't helping you, and it wasn't helping me. Nope, because all I was doing, because all I was doing was 
when you realize that what you were helping me with didn't work, all it did was make you feel worthless. Like I'm too tired because I got too many kids. (laughs) (laughs) Shoot. Okay, or that. (laughs) Look, I'm 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 pulling overtime for you right now. Right. I'm gonna need you to reciprocate. Something. (laughs) Tell tell a sister something. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But you know it, it. it just, but I'm sure it made you feel like you're failing as a wife. One. Yes. Two, you don't know how to help your husband. Yes. You know, three, it's exhausting. Yes, then, very much. <laughs> yes. Stressing you out. Yeah. You know, so. It's, it didn't know how, and, 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 you know, being a young couple going through this, yeah. like very early in our, like at the beginning, not really understanding, okay, Again, not having the tools that we're trying to provide people. Right. Nobody telling us these things on how to handle these things. Right. It was a struggle. It was like. Well, it's a combination of no one. No one took the time. Even when we did our marriage counseling, I have no idea. We didn't even talk about that. I I, I remember going to some, going to see somebody. I just, yes, we we went and saw somebody for like six weeks. I think it was something like that. And, And. Right. None of that came up, you know. None of it. As far as we can remember, none of it came up. But it was, yeah, no one talked to us about it. And then it took so long for someone to notice it. Yeah. You know, and then then maybe you you noticed it, but again, you were in denial. It took me a long time to notice it. I didn't notice it at all. I don't think it took, (laughs) like, people on the outside, those those that were specially trained, like Bishop... Yeah. Um. My dad, they, they knew early on. Yeah. But we, you know, we were we were young and in love, <laughs> you know, and we did not we did not want to think. I think we did not want to think that there was anything wrong with our relationship. We had the perfect relationship. <laughs> Big well, fat lie, and yeah. and so. Well, no, what I'm, they were talking about wasn't real. Yeah, that's true. What they were talking about to us, we didn't. Well, you didn't want to admit to me that I have a problem, and I didn't want to admit that I had a problem. Right. I literally, I, I literally found, I literally blamed you for mm-hmm. why I was out doing what I was doing. I was blaming you, and I blamed you for you know, all of it, all the stuff, all the things that as it related to that but to say everything no 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 no. as it related to to you know it's us and our y- yes i mean and I, i'm i'm man of take responsibility for the things that i've done you know had i had i noticed i had this issue you know like let's say let's say you listen to your dad when we were in college and you talked to me about it yeah we probably you, wouldn't have been together we probably i probably like i, I don't have no sexual issues. right you crazy I'm yes like, we done because you you were too young we done I'm, i mean you were what 19 20 20 like you, your brain was still forming you hadn't even you hadn't even gotten to that age of maturity yet for right. a man to handle to even handle the word sexual addiction right. right right and so um that's why you know I, I feel like in every situation that we have gone through in our relationship i feel like it was to grow us and make us better well why it takes so long it, it took a long time <laughs> why did it take so it long? did take a long time but <clears throat> It has brought us to this place where we are right now 
to be able to help somebody who else who may exactly. be going through the same thing that we've gone through. Exactly. I think, you know, I think for for both of us to be able to come on our episode on our podcast and talk about this so openly. Mm-hmm. And it it took us listen, y'all, it took us a long time. God had been telling us that we needed to do this episode, this episode and the next episode. We should for this. months. We should have been doing this. We should have did, did this episode. This should have been like five or six. Right. We're like, like what, 23, 24? <laughs> we're at almost 30. <laughs> just saying. You know, so by the time you get this, it's probably 28 or 29. <laughs> right. So, sorry, God. We're listening now and we're doing it now. So, but isn't that funny? It's like God... It's like God. God is saying, if you're going to talk about your life, we get, we got to talk about this it. Is, this is part. This is this is who this is who we were, and what's making us who we are. Yes, and and we can't sugarcoat it. We, we have to be like, you know. Now we're not going to give you all the gory details. Right. We're not going to tell y'all. Well, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're not going to tell y'all all the things about our. Right. I, like we're not going to get all deep and dark and. I like, think this is deep enough right now. This is deep right now. I mean, this is deep enough. But we we're just going to tell you the things that we feel couples struggle with yeah. now that nobody is talking about. Nobody wants to talk about addiction nobody wants especially like you hear in the news you hear about drug addiction you hear about alcohol addiction but you very rarely hear about sexual addiction sexual because addiction it's is not, real y'all it's very real because it's not something that can like like drugs can kill you just like that alcohol can kill you you just take that one drink yep. that can, can have die from alcohol exactly. poisoning or car crash. Exactly. But sexual addiction, we live in a sexualized society exactly. right now. In a sexualized culture, not society, but culture. Yes. Everything, everything is, has some kind of sexual connotation to yes. it. There's not, you know, you can't even watch a commercial without without some shape some most commercials you can't watch a shape, some shape, form, or fashion yeah. being sexualized. Yes. You know, underwear commercials i mean hello uh right you know women women so clearly, i mean there's talk i don't want to say women but just in the general sense Anything. of the word you know these you know little infomercials you see in your phone i've seen all kind, and they have they have some kind of sexual connotation behind it yeah we live in a sexualized culture yes you know um and this is something that needs to be discussed, especially for especially for you for you for you couples who have young children, especially those children who are growing, who are developing mm-hmm. physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. These are things that you should be talking to them about and helping right. them understand. Because we know they're not talking about it in high school. I mean, in health class, well, nowadays you have the option to take health class. We didn't have that option, yeah, I don't and think we, we had, that option. had to talk about sex. And we didn't get, you know, they didn't, we, we, it wasn't really like sex, sex. It was about the, the, the sexual yeah, the the men's body and a man's body and a woman's body. So it really was just the organs. And nowadays it's a, it's that something that shouldn't be or wouldn't be talked about in school, which, you know, that's a whole nother topic. I am not trying to get political. That is not my jam, but (laughs) I'm just, just saying So I think, you know, as parents, these things need to be talked about with your kids. You have to talk about these kinds of things because you want them to be prepared. We do live. I mean, they're seeing a sexual image almost anywhere that they go. They get it on their phone. If they have a phone, 
you know, and you don't have right, they get it on parental controls, but right. parental controls only go so far. That's true. That's true. Um, I mean, think about it like this. Dads with teenage daughters. Yes. There is hardly anything that your daughter won't buy that won't have some kind of sexual connotation right. behind it. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I mean, there are, there are clothes right now, the short skirts, mm-hmm. the tight shorts, the tight jeans. Yep. When we were in high school, Listen. that meant that particular girl who wears that, that right. means she's fast. Right. If you understand right. what the word fast means, if you don't ask your parents. Right. She's, <laughs> right. If you don't, if you as a young person don't know what the word fast means, that's the G-rated version of what yes. I want to say. Well, but, but and that, that's, but yeah. But now that's the norm. That is, yes. the, the, for, for a teenage girl so. to walk around in a, in a, in a halter top, spaghetti strap, string bikini. Yeah. You know the wind blow wrong, and she's gonna be right. That's that was that's the norm now. This yeah. these are things. And this is this is an impressionable time when you have young developing kids. Yeah, there's know. and there you know because when, when we were raising our kids, well, we only we only have one daughter, but I was very 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 conscious and very particular about and i don't want to say like stri- like strictly like super strict right. it wasn't about like she had her to dress clothes. like the amish or something yeah <laughs> but you know jasmine didn't go out the house with short shorts on nope. that was not acceptable you, you it needs to come at least to the mid thigh now i'm not talking about knee length but i am talking about we ain't showing no booty cheeks she didn't leave the house with a halter top on nope she, she didn't did, she wear, snuck it out. Right. She didn't wear <laughs> bikinis when she was in high school. That, no, absolutely not. No, she didn't. She we, wore, well, I was, was it, a tankini? That was a, was that what it's called? Tankini was a okay tankini because, because it was it covered up all, the midsection. Co- <laughs> right. Listen, right. but now, and I remember when she turned, twin. she was in her 20s, and I had to remember, she's an adult now. Right, I we cannot can only, tell her right, what we to can wear. We only trust that she that our teachings and your right. and your your strictness about what she can't what shouldn't she shouldn't be wearing carried over. And I think it's pretty much to a point. carried over. Yes, to, to a, a point. Po- well, she's <laughs> she she's got a man now, so you know. What? She, <laughs> I, I think it has, but I think it honestly has carried over into her her twenties. Yeah. And Jasmine is very, like, she's very respectful yeah. with herself. And she's very, I don't even know if respectful. Is that the right word? Yeah, respectful. Jasmine knows how to, Jasmine knows how to dress cute without feeling like she has to show every show inch everything. of her body. Right. And, uh, you know, so that's what society teaches our young girls today, which is really, really sad because, and, and I don't, and listen, and we don't want to say that we are blaming girls for men and what they do with their minds or boys and what they do with their minds and the right. actions that they take. That's not what we're saying. We're at also all. not, we're also not blaming. We're also not blaming parents. We understand not at all. because we don't, because we can't, we, just like we taught our kids is look, whatever you, we can't be around you 24 mm-hmm. seven. So we can only hope that the things that we taught you and the things that we expect out of you carry over. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so we're not blaming you as parents either. We're not saying it's your fault that, you know, what, what, what we, what we are saying is teaching your children about these things, these issues is starts with you. And I'm being very honest. It starts with you. It does start. It starts, it starts, starts at you. home. It's it not the responsibility of the teacher. It's not the responsibility right. of the, of the, because guess what? God didn't give 
your children to your pastor or your teacher. Gave God you. gave them to you. Right. God said, okay, I'm going to trust you to raise this child. Right. To be respected, God-fearing. And exactly. Care, and, and to to present themselves and like themselves in a way, mm-hmm. present themselves in a way that shows they like themselves. Right. And on the flip side, now we taught our son how to be respectful of women. Absolutely. You, you treat a woman, you treat a young girl a certain way. You don't, um, you don't go around degrading them in any right. kind of way. You're not disrespectful to them. So it's a two-way street for the yeah, boys it, and it the girls. It's street. not, you know, yeah, it's so. not just one person. It one sex, it's both together. Yeah. But um I do think that I feel like we sort of got off topic we just did. a little bit. But um yes, we do live in a very sexualized society these days and I can't wait until we get we have a really, really, really good couple friend um, that are super near and dear to our heart. And they have, they started a ministry called Resurrecting Sexuality. And they're talking about sexuality from God's perspective. Yeah. And it's just amazing. And we're going to have them on the podcast, not to give anything away, but eventually we'll have them on the podcast. Eventually we will. Yeah. Um, we'll be on location because they have yeah. a beautiful house and so we're going to do it at their house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it's very important to talk about these issues in marriage or deal with them. Right. Because right. you can talk about them and not do anything about them. Right. It's very important to deal with them in marriage because if you don't, they will destroy your marriage. Like right. they can, they can just in, it cause your marriage to implode and it would be over. Yeah, it, 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 it really did. I mean, it got to the point in our marriage that it got just a whole lot of things that built up to that point that we were, I, I still remember this. We were with that, we were with that same previous church on a road trip back from New York, Connecticut or something like that. We were driving and we had an argument. We're mm-hmm. talking, this is a. 24 hour drive because we drove from where we were. <laughs> I think we argued halfway there. Yeah. We argued halfway there. It got, and our kids are all three of our little babies were in the backseat listening to this. They listened to us make the decision to to end. They listened to us mm-hmm. talk about it. Now, I don't remember this, but I do. I vaguely remember this happening, yeah. but my memory is not all that great. But anymore. you see, but you, but you know what? And even even with even when I had the affair with the friend, mm-hmm. you had done you had prepared everything to leave. Oh yeah, yeah, you, I was ready to go. She was she had prepared, you know she you know being your mother she had prepared everything. I'm finding applications for other for like apartments, apartments and things like that. Things yeah. like that. Yeah, she she was ready. She was ready to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was ready to go. Mm-hmm. But even in those two times, God stepped in. Mm-hmm. He God did. stepped in. And the, the last time we were, when we were arguing and the kids heard us talking about ending our relationship, something happened on the way home. Something between us happened on the way home that we started talking. We started realizing, okay, how mad do we want to end this marriage? Mm-hmm. How, what do we want to do? Do we want to save our marriage? And it came to the conclusion that we had to leave that church yeah. in order to save our marriage. Yep. We had to. Yes. So we left that church. We connected with some people and, and connected with another church, which is where we met the two friends that we're going to have on, on, on our episode dealing with sex. Yeah. Um, it, and it changed our lives. Our lives have been changed. And I think, you know, 
I think that when God stepped in and God stepped in in terms of like for me a long time ago and I didn't really know that he was working behind the scenes, but I knew that he was working because anytime that I thought about leaving, anytime that I thought about just giving up, he would always remind me, remember the vows that you said in front of me for better, for worse in sickness and in health. Till death do us part. I agree because that was the one thing that I said to myself as I was, when I married you, I said I was not going to let my children live the way I lived as a kid. Mm-hmm. I came yeah. from a single parent home. I saw my father maybe once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. But I said to myself, I was going to do everything in my power to make sure that my kids did not live the way that I lived. Even if you and I had made it, they were going to see me. Well, yeah. So, and, but I also, but I also knew that I loved you. I also yeah. knew that I, that I loved, I loved you enough to save it, to try and save our marriage. If it came to where we tried everything we could and we couldn't save it, then it wouldn't have been any hard feelings as far as I was concerned because we did, I felt we did everything we could. But the fact that, and that we made the, we made the commitment to save our marriage, you know, we, we had to go through our own steps. Right. And that's that's important too, everyone. You have to you have to ask yourself this question when it comes to you and your spouse. How bad do you want to save your marriage? Mm-hmm. How much are you letting God into your marriage? Okay. When it comes to to something like, because com- I think anything, I think any anything in any real in a in an woo words, <laughs> I think God can come in and heal anything in a relationship. He yes. 100% can come because I mean we're evidence of that. We're evidence he came of it. he came in and healed uh the one thing that he said that you know rightfully we could get a divorce from. Yep. He came in and healed that cuz we I, we could not have I most certainly could not have done that on my own. Yep. Absolutely could not I'd do that up. on my own. I would have gave up. We were ready to give up. But um I think it was just, you know, God coming in and and Really just doing a whole new, like a whole revamp of our relationship. Yeah. And yep. I feel like he's he's constantly revamping it. And, and it's in a good way, in a very, very good way. So, yeah. Well, I hope that we've, bottom line of the whole thing that we're talking about as far as addiction is, we want you to understand that this is this was part of our life. Mm-hmm. This is still a part of our life because it is, it is still a daily struggle for me, mm-hmm. and I have the what 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 it is is that what the difference is is that I have an understanding of the addiction mm-hmm. versus I'm just going willy nilly and be done with it. Right. I have an understanding of the addiction. Yeah. If you are a person living with an addiction, and I'm spe- I'm speaking to you now, not as a counselor. I'm speaking to you as an addict to an addict. Get help mm-hmm. if you want. The first step, the whole 12-step program thing, the first step to healing is in first admitting that you have a problem. Mm -hmm. That's real. Those 12 steps are real. They're like real, real. People think that those are only related to drug and alcohol. No, they pretty much can relate to, to life. Yeah, they relate to life. But I think that they're very pertinent in sex addicts as well. Yep. Yeah, that, that just that's the most important thing first. Yep. Once you can openly admit that and 
cope with that, mm-hmm. then the next step is seeking help. Yep. If the first if the first help that you need to seek is on your knees talking to God, Ooh, yes, start Lord. with that. Yes. <laughs> first start bitch you have a problem. Yes. Talk to God. Yes. Have him guide you to the next steps of your healing. Mm-hmm. And don't d- d- despite the outcome, despite how much it may affect your relationship, despite the outcome of your relationship, don't quit the healing. Yeah. Don't quit the healing. Don't don't and don't do it just to please your spouse. Do yeah. it because it's do it because you're tired of living this way. Mm-hmm. That's why you do it. Yep. Do it because you're tired of the shame and the guilt. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you all right now about this because I'm tired of the shame and the guilt. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many people are going to hear this episode. Yeah. But if you hear this episode and you fall in one of the categories of, of one of the two people that were that are talking. You know, she's going to our next episode is going to be about from her point of view. I'm 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 encouraging you. I'm imploring you. I'm, you know, praying that you take what we're saying seriously, Mm -hmm. Um, because this is real. This is this is no different than any other kind of addiction. It may not be it may not be to a point life threatening to a point life threatening, but it definitely can destroy you. And it can change your life. And it yeah. can change your life in the negative way. Yep. So that's all I have. I mean, yeah, I, this part, was this was good. So part two, we're going to be talking about, and we we did them hand in hand because they, I feel like go hand in hand. Um, oh, yeah. And it's codependency, which is what I had, and. <sighs> So we'll delve into that part of my life and how it affected my husband and and how we walked through that and am I still codependent and all of that? Nope. Just to answer that question. So, yeah, I'm really excited, babe. This was good. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. You did very you. good. Did really well. Wasn't the easiest conversation to have, but I'm glad I had it. It does feel better and it's like the more, you know, I told my wife that I was the more I talk about it, the more I'm tired of talking about it. But but, the, the, but if it helps someone, if it's gonna if this episode is gonna help someone, I don't mind talking about it. Because in the end, that's what God revealed to me. Yes, you're tired of talking about it, but think about the people that you can help. Yeah. That you can bless by having this conversation. Yep. I agree. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I can pray. Yes, please. And then we can wrap this up. Oh, Heavenly Father, God, you're awesome and you're amazing. And I just thank you for this conversation. I thank you for the courage that you gave Brendan to be able to just tell his story, open up his heart, be vulnerable, be raw, and just let our audience see a side or hear a side of him that he's kept He's kept closed up for a long time um and lord i pray that this would be transformative for him that something will transform in his spirit in his heart in his mind lord that would bring you glory and i pray that anybody that is listening that is struggling with the same thing lord i pray first that they would admit that they had a problem and then god get help that there are so many different resources out there for help and so god i just pray that Uh, God, that if somebody is struggling, Lord, that you would just give them comfort and you would just open their eyes 
to the reality of their problem and and that you would just walk with them on this journey to healing lord lord i just love you and i just thank you in jesus name amen amen so thank you for joining us for another episode of the greatest covenant for more information about the greatest covenant you can reach us on our website at www.greatestcovenant.com you can also follow us on facebook and instagram at the greatest covenant you can also reach out to us via email at thegreatestcovenant21 at gmail.com. God bless you and we love you all.